Okay, we're live everyone. Thank you for joining. This is the Monero Coffee Chat for the month of January. Thank you so much for joining everyone. And uh, we're just going to go through the people here today. Hopefully we have some people that join in a little bit later too, but we'll just start off by introducing each other ourselves. So my name is Justin Ehrenhofer. I am a student at the University of Minnesota. I contribute to the Monero Community Workgroup, and so that's kind of where you'll see me around Monero, is working on those sort of things. Uh, Ray Rar, is your, are you ready to start introducing yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, I am Diego, uh, but you get, most people know me as Rar. Uh, I do a lot of different stuff. I help out with Monero Community. I work on the website. I'm uh, uh, working on the next issue of the Revoir Monero. So, yeah, I help out wherever I can. Yeah, I think most people know you. You've done a lot of stuff. <laughs> okay, Serang, uh, would you like to introduce yourself real quick? Make sure to unmute yourself when you do that. Serang. <laughs> ah, oh, he disconnected. Okay, he'll be back then. He got, he okay. got cold feet. <laughs> Up next, HYC. Hey there. So, uh, yes. You'll see my Nick HYC on online. My name is Howard. Um, I'm the creator of the LMDB database, and uh, I work on the Monero core code. Awesome. Thanks, HYC. Uh, XMR Scott, would you like to introduce yourself? Yep, sure. Uh, my name is Scott, uh, and I just haven't contributed in random fashion. Currently, right now, trying to help with the Debian package awesome sounds great and you do a lot of you've done some local meetup things too right like you've spoken with several other people yeah. locally about Monero, right yeah i talked with um there's a meetup down here in phoenix called desert blockchain so it is like an hour hour and a half long presentation i think including questions uh here to like an audience of 50 or so the burton bar library which is pretty cool um, and a couple of other privacy talks at other local blockchain as well okay yeah awesome glad to hear uh so oh, yeah so serang is having some uh some difficulties he's going to go try using another machine hopefully that'll have better connections so we can stay in um, but yeah, thanks everyone for joining. We want to make these pretty, uh, pretty casual. I'm watching on one side of the screen the live YouTube stream chat so we can go see what people are posting. And if you have questions, make sure to ask them. We'd be sure be happy to answer them. That's what we're kind of here for is to create a dialogue. Uh, but how about we? Uh, I had someone send me an initial question, uh, so I'm going to go through this book just before I forget it. The first one is. Or uh, someone was like, okay, well, with Monero, it's worth like three, $400 right now. And to some people, it might be kind of confusing if you're paying with small fractions of something. So would it be a good idea to make it so that you are instead uh, just uh, like, like you just multiply the amount of total Monero by like 10 or 100? Uh, and... I, I guess my initial response to that is like, okay, how would you airdrop that to people who already hold it? Because um, then it would just dilute them. Does anyone have any other thoughts? Like if Monero was to launch, would it be preferable to use 
like to have a lot more so that you would it'd be worth closer to a single dollar. Oh, looks like yeah, yep, your connection's a lot better right now. <laughs> testing, testing. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, can you hear us? All right, yeah. So it looks like it's just my Chromebook is awful. <laughs> yeah, this is fine. I don't know. Yeah, seems like it. Do you want to... All right. Hello. I am a Sarang, part of the research team. Some of the other researchers are off in Zurich right now in another conference, but I am not. So I'm coming to you from Anytown, USA, not Zurich. Would you like to speak briefly about what research you've done in the past for people who aren't either aren't familiar with the Venero Research Lab or uh, are, haven't heard of you before for some reason or are kind of new to yeah, the Yeah, yeah. So, sure. So, um, so MRL, the Monero Research Lab, we are a project affiliated with the official Monero, but we try to kind of on the governance and the development. I mean, our goal is to just kind of act as the, uh, the skunk works for the currency where we take, we kind of keep up to date with new developments in cryptography, and we kind of take a look at kind of the nuts and bolts of the way that Monero works uh, mathematically, cryptographically, um, some things involving algorithms and development when it comes up. So our goal is to take new stuff that comes in and try to figure out if it's useful, and if it is, make it work. So some of the big projects we've done lately are um, some work into um, expanding confidential transactions. Um, we recently uh, worked on bulletproofs, which are a component of confidential transactions, um, and we use those to kind of shrink down some of the times and the blockchain size uh, aspects of transactions. And that's gone really well so far. I mean, that was a fairly new paper that came out, so we did some betting on that, uh, did some implementation and testing and so on, and all sorts of projects in the pipeline. And you can follow some of our papers and stuff um, online as well as in some of the IRC channels that we're on. Cool. And then uh, I, I've been kind of lurking a little bit in your discussions. And um, I know the initial estimate, or like I've maybe an optimistic estimate, was for the single output bulletproofs, which would dramatically reduce the Monero transaction size and fees, mm -hmm. uh, that those would hopefully be incorporated into the mainnet by the first hard fork of the year, so like a March to May timeline. Mm -hmm. um, do you want to express your concerns with having the sudden timeline, or what would be needed for you to feel comfortable with this being added? Sure. So, I mean, with new cryptography, the whole there's there's always a balance, right? You want to make sure that you're not ignoring anything good that comes out, but at the same time, um, you also want to make sure that you you get some battle testing in on on any new technology, especially one that has such a big impact as range proofs. So. Our initial goal was because bulletproofs basically come in kind of two flavors, one of which is single output, which for every output of a transaction, you generate one of these so-called proofs. So that means if you have a multi-output transaction, it means that you have um, that same number of transaction proofs. The multi-output case is a generalization of that, and that allows you to take a bunch of outputs and kind of cram them all together into the same, uh, into a similar proof. Um, so what that would do is give you even more space and verification savings. So the initial goal, ideally, was to take the single output proofs and run that for the March hard fork, and then continue working on, on some other things that had to be involved with multi-output transactions. Um, for example, we have to discuss how the fee structure is going to work with multi-output because of some technical reasons. But the, uh, then the goal would be to run that in the September hard fork. Um, there was a little bit of concern with the fact that, that we wanted to make sure that we had some more eyes on the implementation of the single output proofs. You know, We don't know of any, any problems that exist with them right now, 
but of course, kind of in a belt and suspenders kind of way, um, there was some, some concern that we'd like to make sure we have more people looking at that. So we've had some reviews and testing done already, which have come back really positive, and that's been great. You know, a few tweaks here there as we expected, um, but we are we're opening up some conversation with some security audit companies to try to to move that process along as quickly as possible. And so the general consensus of the community at this point seems to be that you know if we can get in some additional good quality third party review on the single output case, we'd love to be able to get it in March. Um, but at the same time, if we if we can't get make that timeline. Um, and the reviews take a bit longer than expected, then in that case, the we'd probably have to move it until about September. Okay. Yeah. So it will it will get out there and we'd like it to get out there as quickly and as safely as possible. You know, it's it's like when your airplane is delayed. It's you want to get there quickly, but you also want to get there intact. And we have no indication that there's any problems at this point. Um, but you know, we want to make sure that everyone feels comfortable with the timeline that we choose. So yes. You know, worst case, we use the current existing range-proof technology, which works fine, until we get the uh, the single or multi-upload case together. Now, an impossible advantage of if we don't get all the reviews that we want for the single output case, what we could do is at that point, if we decide that we have to wait until September anyway, just run the whole thing all at once. You know, so just get to the multi-output case, which offers even more space savings right away. So these are yeah. conversations that are ongoing for good reasons. I don't want people to think that there's some massive problems that we're not telling anyone about. It's really just the kind of the academic case of we'd like as many people as possible who are not the people who wrote the code and algorithms to review them. Yeah. So just to bring it a little bit of a bit of the discussion back to the benefits of the single and multi output. So the single output would bring the largest efficiency advantages, especially for normal transactions. But well, actually, so actually, no. So all trans, I mean, basically every transaction is at least a two output transaction. Right. Um, and any transaction gets the optimal savings if we use multi output bulletproofs. Yeah. The so, advantage was the single output case was straightforward and additional testing on that first. The, additionally, um, if we go to multi output, there's a bit of a difference in the fact that um, there's a bit of a difference in kind of the, uh, the verification. Uh, complexity time and the space savings. And that meant that unless we adjust the fee structure to encourage people to use the multi-output case, there could be potentials for denial of service attacks. They're easy to mitigate if you do your fee design correctly. And we still can end up with lower fees, but we wanna make sure that that fee design takes into account um, what multi-output brings to us. So there was additional discussion to be had on that. Um, but any transaction would benefit from the multi-output case. They also yeah. benefit from the single output case, but they benefit much more from the multi. Yeah, so so the difference for a normal transaction between the single and multi is it's it's significant, but it's still relatively small. But if you were an exchange and you were sending batch transactions, so maybe transactions with 100 outputs at a time, mm -hmm. would, like how significant would those advantages be over the single output? Oh, it's it's absolutely insane. So so basically, what happens is they scale logarithmically. So in a hundred, if you had a hundred output transaction, you would in the single output case, and technically speaking, in the current case, which just uses a different kind of range proof, you would need one range proof for every output. So you would need a hundred of them, and that makes it a hundred times bigger than the single case. Um, but in the current case, you really only end up adding just a few small bits onto that transaction. So in a single output case, you know, you save maybe 80% or something, but in a giant multi-output case, you easily save over 90%. It's, the savings, they, they almost appear too good to be true, but 
They are true. It's just very cleverly done. That's always fun to see. Um, yeah, it's the scalings are fantastic. I mean, the downside to it is when you're, you know, when you're going through and scanning the blockchain and verifying all those transactions, you still need to verify them all. Um, and you know, that's while it's actually faster than the current case, you don't quite get the exact same scaling of verification complexity as you do with the, the blockchain size. There's always going to be a trade-off in that. It's just unavoidable. But it's still more efficient than the current case. So it's really a win, 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 win. Yep. Can you speak to the updates in multi-sig too? Or is that, yeah, can you um, yeah, yeah. about those? Sure, absolutely. Um, so my lab partner, Saray, who's branded now, um, so he's been working and finalizing the paper on multi-sig, which takes what we have in code that's going out um, and kind of formalizes it, makes sure that we understand the security models involved, gets proofs for that. Um, and the back and forth between getting that paper written up and working on the code has involved like some really neat tweaks over time that have uh, that make that a bit more robust. So that's being finished up. It's a long process, but you know it's a lot of new security models, so that does take time. Um, and it's nice to actually have some some solid some solid documentation behind what we're doing. So we've seen other cases. Um, in other groups, when that hasn't been done great, and we want to make sure that we do it right. So we're still we're still working on that, and that'll go out and be um, be publicly posted once you know we've just gone through and worked out the typos and stuff on that. Okay, cool. I'm that's something that I've been you know, excited to watch on GitHub the updates there. So I'm yeah, looking forward and to you know, and, and, and functionality being brought to Monero. And it's, and it's neat in that it's not something that we're just kind of tacking on on top of the way we currently do it. It's, it's really going to be baked in kind of at, at the base mathematical level. So, you know, it doesn't affect any of the math that you normally use if you choose not to use multi-sig. But it's, it, it really is kind of baked in at the key level, which awesome. I think is, is something that's different, unique, and stronger than other people have been doing. Cool. Thanks. So um, if Ray is here, I'd like to move to you real quick, uh, because you're working on the Monero uh, row. Uh, uh, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. And uh, would you like to speak a little bit about that? I know that uh, you had one for quarter three, 2017 out, um, and just kind of ex ex discuss what people can expect to see in the next like few weeks. Yeah, sure. It, it should hopefully be coming out this weekend. So I, I still have a lot of work ahead of me, but I'm gonna try to get that out. So the Revoir Monero is a uh, it's a quarterly newsletter uh, type thing that. Uh, I put out for the community. I try to make it, you know, the, the, the aesthetics as nice looking as possible and stuff like that. But really, it's it's focusing on the major work groups, which the past, uh, the last issue, which was the first issue, um, focused on uh, development, recovery, um, Monero Research Lab, and the community. And those same four are coming in this time, but I'm also going to be including the hardware project initiative and Monerullo, which is uh, the Android uh, application that was developed by M2049R and his and his group. And they're also moving on to other things besides just Android. So uh, I'm covering those four, those six uh, major work groups and what their, what their work has been in the past three months, September to December is what I'm looking at. And so hopefully that should be out here in the uh, in the, this uh, today or tomorrow, because it's the weekend already. Uh, so uh, today or tomorrow uh, should be coming out. Uh, I'm really excited to get this one out. And 
yeah, it's just it's just a great overview that you can share with people that are not necessarily familiar with Monero, but maybe familiar with technology or with cryptocurrencies in general. It's like, okay, this is what Monero has been up to. This is what Monero has been doing. Yeah, sounds good. I, I know that I really like the last issue. I'd like to see this continue, and so I'm glad to see that you're working on that. Anything else you want to speak about, Rayrar? Ooh, yeah. Uh, so I got I got a couple other stuff that that has been in the pipeline. So for for example, uh, the multilingual uh, multilingual localization of the getmonero.org website, the PR has been sent. It's waiting to be merged. I just have to <laughs> I have to fix a typo before Luigi will merge it for me. Uh, but uh, I've been uh, working on the revel. So that that'll get to it soon. But basically, what that'll do is it will easily allow anybody to go to the getmonero.org website repo, uh, fork it, and then make some changes to add their language. Um, if you want to get a preview of what that looks like, Kavri already has, if you go to getkavri.org, it's got some multilingual aspects to it. So Monero is going to have those things uh, as well. So anyone will be able to, to English, Spanish, Russian, everything. It's just going to be all over the place, which I think is very important because Monero is not just an English-speaking uh, community. Monero is global, and Monero wants to serve uh, everyone across the entire world, and it's important for that information to get out there in, in those areas. Um, so awesome that uh, Erciccione is heading up the Monero Translations work group. He's already got different guides and stuff based on my on my instructions on how things can uh, um, how translators can start uh, translating already. And hopefully, once I fix that typo, that'll get merged, and then we can go ahead and have Monero for everyone across the entire world. Sweet. I think this is also a really good chance for people who want to contribute but aren't necessarily programmers or mathematicians to be able to get involved. Right, right. In fact, it's it's you know something me and Erticioni were talking about it's it's important to get many eyes on the same language because we don't want to just necessarily unless like it's a super obscure language we don't want to necessarily just trust that one person is going to translate uh perfectly or even non-maliciously uh so and th it's a great idea like kind of you're right as a community engagement thing like okay let's get let's get if you speak spanish if you speak if you speak speak german like just look at it just look at it and tell us what you think and stuff and and uh give a give a review on the github on the on the wherever you can you know on the Mattermost, just give a review and uh that's being involved. That's contributing to Monero. That's making sure that all the information is accurate. And you may learn some stuff on the way as you read through all the different stuff that's going on on the on the Monero website. Awesome. Thank you so much. So XMR Scott, you mentioned that you're working on the Debian builds. Can you just speak a little bit more about that and kind of what that involves? Because I, I mean, I don't really, well, okay. I, I get so the general idea, but I don't I'm I'm not doing the builds myself. I'm just helping test. So a lot of it is um, <laughs> trying to get uh, Subgraph OS initially working on my laptop, which I got to work. But um, there was just so many package dependencies. I figured it'd be easier to switch to Linux Mint on, which is because I have it as a live uh, USB um, on for. Subgraph OS, so it's kind of a pain to um, power down and basically restart my process every time I need to switch to another OS. Um, so 
Uh, yeah, so again, to reiterate, I'm not actually doing the building. Name, I don't remember off the top of my head, um, but it's if you're not familiar with Subgraph OS, it's a kind of like Tails, except it's, uh, I think, arguably kind of better sandboxed and that applications themselves are sandboxed and so forth. So it's kind of like a combination of uh, two Tails. Um, but anyways, yeah, if there's an issue, and I'll have to find it, I don't remember the exact number, but if you search for, like, Debian Packaging Monero, hopefully, and uh, also GitHub, you might find it. But he's kind of looking for feedback as well. So he initially built packages back in September, I think, maybe. Well, maybe not September, maybe closer to November. Um, unfortunately, no one gave him feedback. So so that's what I'm trying to do is kind of... Uh, to give give testing yeah. for like, okay i'm going to try and link this for everyone but yeah i think it's that would definitely be helpful for uh, i found it yes yeah, so this would be helpful for people who you know would like to use it on these these other hardened systems because i know a lot of people often think of like unix or tails but they often forget about things like uh or the, like, things like actually i guess would this help for peanut it's a tails too looks like the issue says so yeah 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 so that yeah that's kind of what's really cool is and, and this i guess is kind of the thing that i like to encourage people to do is if you see an issue whether it's like a actual bug that causes a crash or a daemon issue or just like a general enhancement or improvement please please report it as an issue because then someone else who sees it um, might say, oh, hey, I can tackle that, and then they'll proceed to tackle the issue, potentially. And fortunately, that's what happens to be the case. A lot of people, well, a couple of people expressed an interest in this issue after I posted it, and then um, he saw it, and then he started working on it. It looked like people, once they remembered about it, people looks, it looks like they like had their interest redrawn to it, because it Looks like it's been open for, yeah, as you said, since, since September. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, hopefully the relations there are still okay. Uh, do you think yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, Okay. Good. Okay, well, thanks for helping with that. I wouldn't really have thought of that. So it's, this is why we have contributors so they can need yeah, to work. Yeah, <laughs> Thank I mean, you. yeah, and kind of, I mean, the idea is, I mean, as if you watch the forums and whatnot, it's not necessarily a good idea to run Monero over Tails just because of potential man-in-the-middle attacks and what's forth, but it, it only really makes sense to mask your node IP if you're in a kind of a hostile environment. But at the same time, it, in theory, if we ever get Monero packaged with Tails or Subgraph OS, then it makes it really easy for users to use Monero over Tails because they just essentially have to download the Tails bundle or the Subgraph OS bundle. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Cool, I'm glad that the work there has been done for that. So I'm just looking in the comments real quick, and we have one person that keeps asking us about Electronium. Um, and just to kind of put this to bed, Electronium was forked from Monero, so it follows the same exact code as Monero. And they did like an ICO to raise money for it, so they kind of have like a marketing budget to go wild. Uh, however, from what we've seen, we haven't seen that they have a large community of people that can contribute, and so it seems like it's mostly marketing at this point. Does anyone have anything to add to Electronium? I don't want to take too much time to speak about this because it's not Monero related, but uh, 
in case anyone wants to talk about this real quick. Yeah, I, I just thought it was funny. Uh, as, I, as I mentioned in the chat, if you go to their blog, okay, if you go to their blog and they've got a blog post where they, they talk about adopting the Monero technology, it's really, really funny. Uh, and this, this alone just completely you know, put me off the project if, if nothing else did, uh, which which there were a few other things that did. But you you look and and if you scroll down to the last paragraph of that, they're like, okay, guys, I know we were promising zero fees, but uh, we just realized that if we have zero fees, nothing stops an attacker from spamming the blockchain. So we have to add fees. And I'm just like, how, how did you not know this, though? But like, you know, like, Everybody knows this. Everybody knows this. So I don't know. It's just like these people didn't understand blockchain at all. And they they were just trying to you know get in on get in on the cash. So I was like, okay, that that would be a no. I mean, that that would be a hard, 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 hard no if it wasn't a hard, hard, hard no before. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, yeah. uh, just just really funny. It, you know, and it's really sad because similar to other projects, you know, kind of like Sumo Coin and stuff who who kind of take the Monero code base, who realize that it's worth something because it is, you know, and they take the Monero code base and they and they do their own thing with it. And, you know, it's open source. People can do what they want with this kind of stuff. But I would love to see, you know, and this may be a controversial opinion. I would love to see these people who claim that Monero's code base is really good. So they want to work with it. Uh, what would prove to me that they at least have some semblance of good faith and goodwill is if they actually come to the Monero project and they say, you know what, you guys, you're, we depend on your technology. So we would like to contribute to you guys, you know, to, heck, even if it's selfish to further their own code base. But no, what shows that they're really only in this for themselves and not for the technology and this kind of thing is that, you know, they develop things within their own wallets or within their own things. And if, if there is innovation at all, and they don't, um, I don't know, and they don't really care to, to contribute back. But, and, you know, you can argue that that's open source, you know, that, that it's, you know, most people don't contribute back to things that they, that they fork from, and I understand that, and that's a sad reality, and it, it's one that I feel should be changed, but I'm an, I'm an idealist. Um, but I think cryptocurrencies are a little, are a little different, you know, uh, we're so tribalized and it's, it's very strange to see uh, the sociology of cryptocurrencies work itself out where people get, you know, married to their coin for financial reasons or for stuff like that. And they're, they're like, they get into these little tribes and they, they get completely exclusive. And then you have the people that laugh at them for being exclusive. They're not married to any project. They just trade all the coins, you know, equally. Uh, and you, you have so little critical thinking going in, uh, kind of thinking to themselves, okay, which technologies have real uh, real world applications? Which which technologies are good? Which technologies can actually do what they say they do? Um, even just asking those simple questions can really help people that are not necessarily just trying to make money identify projects that they can support in other ways. You know, and and it's not necessarily mine to judge if you're a trader, if you're a holder, if you don't do this game at all. You know, it's, it's not really my place to judge any of that thing. But I do think it's important for everybody to have a passion project, for everybody to have a project that they can look at and they say, you know, I can get behind the ideology of this thing. I can get behind. And you know, it may not even be a cryptocurrency at all. Um, for mine, it's, it's Monero because I look at it and I believe in what we're doing. I believe that uh, having uh, financial privacy is important for people, even if they don't necessarily think it's important for people. I do look and see that m most of the, the greatest atrocities that have 
happened against humankind have happened because uh, governments have had complete free reign. In fact, my personal opinion is that the government should be on a public blockchain because we pay the taxes, you know, and so we should see where that money goes and the, the citizens should be on private. But anyway, not to get too much into politics. Sorry about that. Um, you know, it, it's something I really believe in. And it's something that I think everybody should should find something that they really do believe in and they can contribute to, whether it's financially or with their time or with their talents. So. I would ask anybody watching here, you know, maybe Monero is not that for you guys. Maybe it is. Uh, but take a look, you know, take a look deeper into the technology, into the ideologies behind what we're doing and and see, you know, if see if Monero is that thing for you that you can contribute. And it's OK if you trade. It's OK if you do all these things. As long as you're part of the community, you contribute to uh, to what we're trying to do and you further the vision, which is global privacy advocacy privacy should be for everybody and it should not just be for the rich it should not be just be for the poor it should not just be for the first world it should be for everyone so yeah you're muted sgp i got a i got a notification saying live stream stopped wait a minute Shouldn't have said all that stuff about the government, huh? Yeah, I know. It stopped everything. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, yeah, well, it should stop. Sorry. And it's a good point on ideology, though. You know, I think that's part of the point of having, like, a research arm, too, is that we can take a look at what other people are doing and what the academic community is doing and say, like, we're married to our ideology, but, you know, if there's better ways to get there, we'll do it. Oh, wow. Okay, well, okay, and our end, it says it's down, but for some reason it says work, so as long as people say it works, I guess we'll keep going. That's interesting. Okay, yeah, so, yep, Ray Rare, thanks for that. I, th I think this kind of speaks to the general issue in the space, that there is a lot of money, and that creates a large incentive for marketing, but there are very few people with skills. And so most of the projects kind of take the exist what the existing talent has done. And since a lot of these are open source projects, they'll take Bitcoin, they'll take Monero, they'll take Litecoin, they'll take these projects that have a lot of work put on them. They'll fork them and then they'll advertise one small thing that they've changed or even worse, one thing that they hope to change in the future, take money and then just, just run with it. Um, and so that's, that's kind of something that we're kind of seeing in the space in general and something that you kind of need to watch out for. Uh, so uh, I think I'm going to ask HYC to speak a little bit on this because he works on the LMDB project, which is open source, and they uh, this is it's an open source project, and people contribute to it. And he's actually adopting a different license so that people uh, so that people are more likely to contribute back to the code back to the project. Uh, so HYC, do you want to speak a little bit to what brought you to this decision? and uh, like what it means for Monero? Uh, that's an interesting one. Um, you know, the uh, I'll go into some of the background about what um, prompted the decision. And yeah, as you said, uh, first I want to connect to a little bit of what Rirar was talking about. Um, it, you know, I've been working on open source for like the past 30 years, and it always annoys me to see um, people cloning or forking code and then wandering off and doing whatever they want with it 
and never contributing back to the original project. I, I think that's just, um, I, would, I would go to the point of saying it's uh, immoral, all right? Because it is very, um, I would say it's very selfish and the open source community is really not about being selfish. You know, it's about contributing what you can to move, move a project forward for the greater good. Um, now, so, okay, so we talk about the license change that was proposed for LMDB. And part of that was, again, um, we were seeing some commercial projects taking our code and using it and not contributing anything back to, you know, to assist with our future development. Now, um, we had a long uh, discussion about this uh, first within Simus Corporation, and then uh, when I brought this to the Monero community, you know, there was a, a GitHub issue on our meta project about this, um, and that turned out to be a very interesting discussion, a uh, very thoughtful discussion. Um, the way that conversation was conducted actually was fairly impressive to my colleagues in Simus, and they felt that the Monero community presented their arguments extremely clearly, and uh, we backed away from the change. You know, we said, you know, this really is not as good an idea as we thought it was. It's going to harm uh, the user communities more than it's going to benefit anybody. And so, um, yeah, that license change is not going to happen. Yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't. Uh... I didn't see that at the point. I didn't mean to put you on the spot for something that you've already changed. Oh no, I, I'm not sure you know, how how broadly we uh, broadcasted that decision, but yeah, it was it was actually a direct result of you know the back and forth within the Monero community that uh, convinced the Simus guys. Okay, this license change is a bad idea. Okay, good. Uh, that's great to hear. That means uh, so. I assume that means that you've been working on. Uh, or at least paying attention to Monero's connection to LMDB 2.0 with the advantages with encryption and a few other things too. That's right. Um, you know, and that was that was actually going to be one of the key features uh, of the next LMDB release uh, was data at rest encryption, um, specifically for use with the Monero wallet. But obviously, we have other uh, potential uses for that. Okay, well, I mean, that's that's great news. Again, I, I thought this is still going back and forth, so it's great to hear that this is basically settled and the Monero community will be able to use these advantages that really uh, were developed with Monero in mind. So that's cool to watch. Yeah. yeah. Okay, um, so it looks like in the chat we have a lot of people that are kind of getting into or politely discussing which... Uh, which cryptocurrencies they feel are the best and value-wise and whatever. And I, I think just to answer, put some of these thoughts out there, I, I think that, um, I think it's price, well, I think price is typically disconnected from fundamentals at the moment. You have people that kind of look past already large projects trying to look for the next big thing just because they're looking for larger terms. And so it's not exactly a normal market at the moment. And so people kind of are treating things in a weird way. And so from an investment perspective, I can't really answer your questions there. Um, and I don't, don't really want to either. Um, but I, I, and I think Ray already kind of in his large speech already spoke to a lot of these things, but uh, just when you're evaluating systems, like 
it's kind of up to you. You're, if you're investing, you need to evaluate these systems. Or if you want to contribute your time, you need to evaluate these systems. And so uh, my suggestions are just start with the real basics of security and just kind of look at what how the system works. Um, look to see if there's a point of failure. And if you're if you want privacy, then um, just look to see okay how is it provided. And if you add some element of trust on top of private on the system for privacy, so if you add a mixing service, or if you add, add nodes that have preference for a side chain or some crazy sort of implementation, then you're kind of setting yourself up for failure. It's, it would be as if, like, like, people would think, like, if you're crazy for suggesting that, okay, I'm Justin, if you want your security to say, say, if you should give me your private key, and then I'll hold on to that. I mean, we know that the whole point of why Bitcoin is like actually worth anything and matters is that it gives you the opportunity that you have the ultimate control over how you do that. Uh, and so why can't it be the same thing with privacy? Where if you need to trust someone else for this privacy, like, okay, where is even the value of that? Um, like, you should still have control over that. And so I think there are very few systems that have strong teams and are able to, like, execute on the ideas of making it usable for people. And so I think that's something that you really keep in mind broadly about, like, actually deciding why you want to work on certain projects. And so um, I, uh, and so for that reason, that's why I contribute a lot to Monero. I'm not like set only on Monero. And I think most people in the Monero community aren't set on Monero, just, but are really like uh, moved by the values and how they work together in that space. So Sereng said, he messaged me saying he has to leave relatively soon. Is there anything you want to cover Sereng before you uh, need to head out? Anything else, any like, like a uh, verge proof or something that's going to come out to like substantive, I don't know, some crazy project coming out. Oh man. I mean, we're always looking at new stuff that's kind of coming down. So we've, uh, we've really started becoming more interested in, in kind of alternate block constructions. Um, you know, things that come out. I mean, a lot of people have been asking about things like Spectre and different ways that you can arrange blocks in a way that's not necessarily a chain structure. So most people do a chain structure right now, but there's other ways involving graphs that you can do it. Uh, but that changes a lot about things like consensus mechanisms. So we're always looking into that. Um, everyone uses chains right now and the consensus is really straightforward with that, but it's not the only way to do it. So we don't have any immediate plans to get rid of the blockchain because that sounds horrible when you say it like that. <laughs> it's getting rid of the blockchain, screw it. No, but we're always looking into stuff like that and running simulations and seeing what that could do for us. So it provides the possibility for a lot of really interesting scaling involving things like block rates and sizes. So projects like that that we're looking into. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's been coming out recently about ZK Snarks and ZK Starks um, that a lot of people have been asking about and things that involve reducing or eliminating the trusted party um, and also making stuff that's you know post-quantum safe. So looking into that, again, we have no plans to move over to something with ZK Snarks or anything, um, but good papers and good work that's been coming out in that area. So we're always reviewing that. And you know, if, if things come out that, that folks are interested in or want to learn more about or want to bring to our attention, you know, definitely hop on IRC and let us know. Otherwise, um, most of us are over on the Monero subreddit. So throwing stuff there is a good way to bring it to our attention. Yeah, awesome. So last time we had this coffee chat with Fluffy Pony, 
uh, I, I try to answer the question about like what Spectre is. It's not the like meltdown Spectre, but yeah, the other. Really, I thought I was like, no, now that's a name for something that's horrible. Yeah. So Monero is not trying to make backdoors, uh, of course, with that type of Spectre, but uh, with other Spectre, like the DAG-based Spectre. Can you kind mm -hmm. of speak? what Spectre is and kind of why you're looking into it and what you kind of speculate that if things turn out well, like how this can be used. Yeah, so right now, you know, we just maintain a single chain of, of blocks and a block, a new block is added onto the chain and nodes decide they want by the longest one, it's called Nakamoto Census. Um, but unfortunately there's some scaling issues where you can't just increase the rate at which blocks um, come about, nor can you increase the size without worrying about some, some possible attack scenarios. There's that whole 51% scenario. Um, but for an Akimoto consensus, that could be a lot worse. And it doesn't mean that we should all be throwing our hair in fire, but it means you can't infinitely scale that. Um, bringing in something like Spectre says that no longer do you have to maintain just a single chain structure for all of your blocks. It means that you can add blocks in a way that forms kind of a more complex graph or tree structure. Um, but then you have to ask, okay, if I'm a node and I have different tree structures, how do I decide which one is like the longest one? So there's kind of a new consensus method and you have to kind of adjust how you decide what's going to be best. And there's ways to do that that actually rely on like the specific topology of the way that that graph is constructed. Um, and it gets pretty hairy. And the downside to it is that when you're kind of trying to test various scenarios of how an attack try to abuse that, um, it, gets, it gets pretty tricky pretty fast. So we want to make sure that as we're investigating that, we understand possible attack scenarios and also understand how it can scale better. So we want to be able to do good, efficient verification um, while, we're, while we're investigating it. So the idea is that it's both this new kind of structure for the way that blocks are arranged and also a corresponding consensus method that's not just Nakamoto consensus. So that's kind of the, the base level about what it's doing. So we're working up some, uh, some code on, on simulating how that would work and how the voting mechanism would work. And... There's definitely ways to do it that aren't very efficient, but we're trying to code it up in ways that are much more efficient. So that'll be kind of ongoing. We looked at it before, it kind of got put on the back burner when some other projects kind of came about, but we're still looking into it because we think it's very interesting. Um, it also offers the benefit of really good scaling with really good security, which Nakamoto consensus can't offer. Yeah, I know that that was kind of the, uh, at least the incentive to kind of look into those systems for the efficiency. Um, and we've seen that several other projects that have started building systems with these sort of approaches with DAGs have kind of received a lot of attention lately because they yeah. offer advantages that pe people are concerned about the blockchain to be able to really provide. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's also important to note that, you know, this is not the only way to do uh, a DAG structure. I mean, DAG just means um, directed acyclic graph. So it's just, it's just a type of graph structure. Um, but there's not just one way to do it. You know, there's, there's different rules about how blocks get added, and there also has to be a corresponding consensus mechanism. So, and that could also vary between different, different types of DAG type structures. So it's important to remember that when you hear about a DAG, uh, a DAG type implementation, you know, they're not all the same. And we're looking at one in particular that has some, has some really good security proofs behind it. It's not the only one. And so if new things come out, we'll look at those too. Yeah, awesome. Uh, thanks for your time, Sarang. Uh, do you, how many minutes do you have left, or do you take off? Like, Probably a couple. I mean, if there's any other kind of okay. big questions that I can get through quickly, be glad to I do think, that too. I think, 
I think the other big question, at least that I always get at my local meetups, is in relation to quantum compute. And I, I kind of answer saying that you're kind of looking, like kind of theoretically assessing the vulnerabilities in Monero. Can you speak a little bit more on how Monero could be vulnerable to quantum computing and kind of what your current approach is to that sort of problem? Yeah, so it's, it's one of those things where quantum computing is going to break a whole lot of things. And so, I don't know, I, I maybe don't take quite as, a, I don't know, quite as nihilistic a view on it. You know, it's one of those things where if, if we have practical quantum computing in the future, everyone is screwed in so many different ways. Um, but from, I guess, a Monero perspective, you know, that's, that's why we start looking into new technologies. You know, like that's why we're investigating things involving ZK starts. Um, and that's and that's why we we're really kind of starting to to step back a little bit and say, OK, looking at each different part of what makes Monero work, in what ways could it be vulnerable in the future if this happened? And what alternatives, if any, do we have in place that we can start investigating now um, and start putting into place? You know, if, if eventually we decide that this is something that we want to take care of, you know, it's a lot of it has to do with priorities. Right. And if we want to start ripping out some of the plumbing and replacing it then we need to know that 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 makes sense for the amount of work that it's going to take to put it put it in place. So do we have anything, um, any immediate plans right now for any immediate plumbing? Not at this point. Um, but that's why we continue to investigate things that come along. It's kind of a vague, wishy-washy answer because it's like, you know, do I have anything right now that we're doing right now to fix this right now? Well, no. But are we continually looking at various ways that we could do re-implementations? You know, yes, absolutely. That's one thing we do all the time. And if anyone else has any comments on that at this point. Yeah, I just want to add, I mean, you know, people are talking about oh, how are we preparing for quantum computing? And uh, nobody actually has demonstrated, you know, usable quantum computing yet. So, no, not even close. Know, there's 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 not even any way to characterize what kind of attacks will exist you know you can't characterize what will be the defenses i mean it's it's completely an unknown right now okay yeah thanks for that that's i usually answer in a similar vein um but it's good to hear your perspective i'll kind of take those into consideration with how i kind of answer these questions because it's hard because you want to put their concerns to rest and you can't really do that very well <laughs> yeah and and again like i try to avoid the nihilistic view but at the same time you know if if we have usable quantum computing in the way that starts breaking everything involving the internet i mean if the world's on fire does that mean that cryptocurrencies might also be on fire you know possibly but the whole world's on fire so we have a lot of things to take care of at that point but it's true i mean it's everyone's like oh it's just around the corner well at this point no it's not okay yeah thanks um, do Rare or XMR Scott, do you have anything that you'd like to discuss at this point that's completely unrelated to something that you think is cool? I don't know. Anyway, so I got to head out, but thanks, everybody. So, yeah, yeah right, thanks, Ryan. We really appreciated this. Yeah, I mean, um, I can just comment. I mean, kind of going back to the whole uh, Tails subgraph OS thing, I think it's really cool that we're starting to potentially see packaging for OSs that are more security hardened. So like I said earlier, if there's 
anything you can do to help contribute to that issue by testing the packaging that uh, he's putting out, that would be awesome. Because I'd love to see Monero on um, an OS that's arguably a lot more secure than Windows or um, Mac, where you where you see these issues with, um, I think it was like a month ago, two months ago, with the root password and being able to uh, easily get root through physical access. Yeah, yeah, those are definitely some <laughs> some concerns with a lot of. I mean, really, that comes down to security. Um, and if you're storing funds, it's best to, or if you're storing a hot wallet, it's best to have the most secure system possible. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think it, uh, the reason why I'm really excited about the, the work being done there is just because um, we don't really have a working or production ready, I guess I should say. Uh, hardware wallet for Monero currently, unfortunately. So, like the the kind of workaround to that is having Monero supported on Tails or Subgraph OS, where they're they're more security focused than Windows and Mac. So your funds are more secure, um, both from just sort of a I guess. Uh, well, if you wanted to cold storage, maybe a paper wallet would probably be better. But for those who actually want to use Monero on a daily basis, um, it's really useful. You want to have your funds secure because you have to access them on a daily basis, a weekly basis, a monthly basis, or whatever. Um, and you want to be able to spend them securely without having to worry about uh, being compromised. Absolutely. Um, unless someone else has something to talk about, I think I want to kind of wrap this up with efficiency, or sorry, not efficiency, usability, because we already spoke about like efficiency with both moves. But how about we tailor this last part about usability? Um, and so I just want to start first uh, talking about people's concerns with the GUI, um, because I know that it's common for people to complain like, oh, Monero sucks because the GUI sucks. And I think most people just kind of misinterpret the problem. And I think in 99% of those cases, they're syncing the blockchain in the background and they don't realize it. And they're like, why is it so laggy? And well, it's because their disk is at, like their at full use, right? Um, and so I kind of want to speak to you briefly just what Monero uh, contributors have kind of done and discussed in order to make this easier for people to uh, it's like get started because it should be easy for people to, um, yeah, to make like, make it so that people can just download the GUI and get started without really having to think about it or have to like go look up a node or whatever. And so uh, Gingeropolis has really been spearheading a lot of these initiatives um, and so there's a lot of discussion related to how the client should uh, should at least offer an easy option a very easy option for people to automatically start off connecting to a remote node while also syncing the blockchain in the background um, and so that would that would dramatically reduce the onboarding process because it would just work immediately uh, especially if they're, if they're making a new wallet, uh, it would work practically uh, very quickly for, for these people. And then the blockchain can still sync and they'd still be a contributor to the network. And so I think the vast majority of people have agreed that that's uh, like a good compromise to use this remote node infrastructure for this kind of temporarily. And then like make sure that people are still likely to run their own. Uh, because it's good for people to be able to run their nodes. It's the best way for you to really have the best privacy using Monero because otherwise you're leaking metadata, you're leaking, uh, you're associating the IP address with the transaction directly instead of just putting it out on the rest of the net. And so that's kind of interesting. Uh, so like there's definitely some basic usability improvements that can be made to the GUI. And I've, I've 
had a lot of fun tracing the Monoruyo project because they've kind of taken their own, uh, albeit perhaps even faster way of trying to address these problems because it's still a smaller community and it's newer. And so you can see how they like directly connect to remote nodes and how they have redefined their like sending and receive screens to make it like a different way of trying to make it more user friendly. And it's good to have those ideas there. Um, and so that's, I think that's something that Monero kind of will focus towards. Uh, right now, it's a little disappointing because with Monero, we definitely still encourage people to use the official GUI, the official wallets. But ideally, it would be like Bitcoin, where some people use the Bitcoin wallets, but a lot of people might use several other wallets or several other companies, other open source projects that each have their own wallets with different features and different ways of doing things. And that's really Ultimately, we want to see. We don't want to make it so that like everyone is just reliant on this one software. But we can see how, in the status quo, that's kind of annoying. For like, it, it might look nice and it might be very functional, but also it's kind of unintuitive for like the first time. And so there are a lot of discussions, and I encourage people who have kind of stuck through it the first time to speak uh, on GitHub and Monero about how things can be improved, just basic workflow improvements, because it's possible that we all like forgot different things. And so that's just something that I think would make it a lot easier for people to kind of use in the first place. Uh, does anyone else have any comments on that? Agreement, disagreement. <laughs> we should just switch back to the command line, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> Monero is a tool for professionals, and we need to use command line because otherwise people will speculate on it, and we don't want that, right? We love the speculators, yeah. too, a little yeah, bit. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding, everyone. Don't worry. Um, yeah, so one person asked about the Casisto. There was a relatively recent update. We didn't hear for some time, but then we got a relatively recent update, which is really helpful. Um, the payment processing has really changed over the past like even six months where we went from basically no options to having Globi, which is really easy and where it's a pay. Uh, that's a paid service, but you also have open service, open source services from like the Monero integrations where you can use those plugins to make it easy. And uh, the Casisto is just one of those things to make it a lot easier too. Um, but I, that's, I haven't seen any very recent development, but I think most of the code is on GitHub, so you can kind of still sort of see. But that's a project, I mean, I would like to see more. Uh, it might just be that I just am less informed about it. So I either need to be more informed about it, or um, I'd like to just see the work continue on that. Um, I suppose I'll just keep answering some of these questions, so keep posting them in, unless, again, if someone has something to speak about with like the last few minutes here, um, feel free to speak up. Um, let's see, why does it take so long to bring the GUI up to date even if Monero is currently synced? So that totally depends. So that depends if you're syncing and if you're restoring a wallet from zero, you need to go search every output and scan to see whether or not that's a lot for your address or not. And so that takes some time, especially with the most recent ones where the transactions are a little bit larger, it takes some time to scan. And you can dramatically speed up this process if you just, uh, if you set a sync site. So if you're like, I made this wallet like a week ago, then you should clearly like 
go to a block explorer. I know this is an example where it's not very intuitive. Ideally, you would select a date and it would be able to estimate it. But you would need to find block height there, put it in, and then it will take a lot faster. But just know that with Monero, um, I suppose one of the disadvantages is that just syncing the whole, like if you're syncing a wallet and trying to search the whole blockchain for the outputs, it takes a decent amount of time like doing that for a large series of like one, two million blocks, it just takes a while. Um, and so I think that's mostly dependent on your uh, like disk read IO. So if you, have an, if you have an SSD, if you have like an NVMe SSD, it should be pretty fast. If you have a low hard drive, uh, like a old hard drive that's slow, it probably would suck. Um, so you kind of need to, uh, I don't know, ideally, Ideally, you wouldn't be restoring really old wallets often, so just kind of you need to keep that in mind with how you're using Monero. It's kind of keep that disadvantage in mind. Uh, so a few more questions. Uh, again, if you if, if we don't get a chance to answer these, please post them on the Stack Exchange. I'm just going to quickly link it um, because I, mean, I spend a lot of time there. A lot of other contributors spend a lot of time there, and people will be able to answer them there. So it's, it's, it's um okay. So XMR Scott says the GitHub is still pretty active, so that's good to know for the Kiss is still point of sale. Um, that's just one I have not been following closely, but I would like to follow more closely. Um, yeah, so one person that's exactly what I was explaining how you would connect to a remote node and work with the manual sync if they want. The issue though is that with Monero SPV is pretty inefficient. We don't want a very large user base of people connecting to SPV and uh, we've actually discussed, uh, Gingeropolis, I believe, started another discussion with node incentivization because people are always like, oh, well, how come only the miners are incentivized for the block award? And we still think the miners should still be completely incentivized that way. But there's an interesting idea where you could, like if you host a remote node, you could require that those that connect to it contribute hashes to this remote node. So they basically mine and send some of this mining parts to these remote nodes. And if they have like 10 continuous con connections all mining even with low power hardware like if they're mining with one thread on their old cpu um it would still be enough to pay for i mean not like very powerful remote nodes but it's still uh but it would still be enough to probably it would either substantially subsidize or even potentially pay the cost of. So that's kind of interesting. That would help maintain the SPV infrastructure a little bit. But the problem is, like, the people who run remote nodes now kind of just do it just because they love the project. And so that's fun to watch. Um, so that's currently being discussed on GitHub. I encourage, if that's interesting to you, to join that discussion. Um, I mean, I'm involved in that discussion because I think it's a pretty cool idea. And so we're kind of just, I was discussing, like, what incentives would need to be required for this to actually be worth it. Um, so yeah, that's just something that we've been looking at. Uh, and I think that's an example of how it could be more interesting. And so this basically would turn, as HYC said, like turn all of these remote nodes kind of into their own small mining pools. Um, and so that's, that's kind of kind of interesting too. It's like middle between like the current mining situation and like a peer-to-peer -peer pool is kind of like somewhere in the middle between those two. Okay, does anyone have any closing remarks? I mean, we're about time now. So thanks everyone for being here. I'll just go. Anyone have any closing remarks? Okay. 
Rayra, are you sure you don't have another rant in you? Real quick? Oh man. Okay. Yeah. Let's get started. So let's talk. Let's talk about hard privacy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, just uh, thanks everybody for coming. It's always a pleasure to be here. Uh, have a good life. Yeah. Hey, thanks guys. Yeah. Thanks everyone for doing this. Again, this is a monthly thing. Yeah, this is this is a monthly thing, so make sure to keep uh, keep the keep this like at the top of your minds for next month. It'll be posted on the Monero meta issues so that you can keep track, and also on the Monero community subreddit. Okay, thanks everyone. I'm gonna cancel the screen, stop the stream, and have a good rest of your day.